we're now doing Thursday's portion of Parshas Vayeshev. In Parshas Vayeshev, we have gone through the beginning of the trials of Yosef, of Joseph, who is very holy and is very beautiful, is a pure and perfect saint at Tzadik, who was misunderstood by his brothers to be actually someone trying to kill them physically or spiritually, cut them out from being part of the chain, the legacy of the Jewish people. They decide to kill him. In the end, they feel the more compassionate move to still get rid of him, but without taking his life, is to have him sold down into slavery after they realize they were completely wrong. When they see their father in pain, their father was in pain, the intense pain for 22 years, as long as Joseph was gone from him. But they don't know where he is. They can't get him back. And then the story cut into a different, very significant saga, part of the lineage of Mashiach, of the Messiah, which is Yehuda, Judah, who left his brothers and had a whole series of situations himself to eventually cause the relationship between Yehuda and Tamar leading to the forefathers, the ancestors of Mashiach, of the Messiah. Now, why did Yehuda leave his brothers and thereby began the whole sequence of events? Because the brothers were upset with him, as the first Rashi we're going to learn, going to explain to us, the brothers were upset because they said, Yehuda, you're the leader. You told us we shouldn't kill him, we should sell him. And we listened to you. If you had said, what are we doing? How can we do this to our father? We would listen to you also. So here we open up with the first verse, and Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, Potiphar, an uh, officer of Paro, the officer in charge of the butchers, um, very significant Egyptian, purchased him from the hands of the Ishmaelites, who brought him down there. So the first Rashi explains what I just said. Like, what's going on? First, we have the whole story of Joseph. Then we cut to this whole saga of Yehuda. Then we come back to Joseph. Well, it was all interconnected because of what Yehuda did in the sale of Joseph, which is why his brothers felt he had misled them, led them in a wrong way, which is why he separated from them, which is why the rest of his saga continued. And now that we're done that and came and got to a good ending, we now go back and pick up the strings of the story of Joseph. Another explanation, though, of this juxtaposition of the story of Yehuda and then the story back of Joseph is that we, in the story of Yehuda, we have a very significant, very spiritual woman named Tamar, the ancestress of Mashiach, of the Messiah, who did many things that didn't look so holy, but they were all completely with holy intention. God is trying to hint to us that just as Tamar acted only with noble intentions, but might not have seemed that way, so, too, we're going to read of another woman who was a very evil woman, the wife of the master that just bought Joseph, the wife of Potiphar. And she seemed to be doing very horrible things, and she did everything in her powers to seduce Joseph. But also she had, so to speak, intentions. I don't know I really want to say holy intentions. But she also was doing it in her head for the sake of having meaning. She saw through astrology that she was destined to have children with Joseph. So he, he's her soulmate. They, they're going to get children together. So this amazingly handsome, amazingly beautiful man, amazingly special man, is her destined mate. 
she's pursuing her mate. She knows it's her mate. She knows they're going to have children. People seeing the star, they see and they don't see correctly. The incorrectness here was actually, wasn't her, it was her daughter. Eventually, many years later, Joseph marries the daughter, or the adopted daughter, of this woman, through whom he did continue his line. But even we're seeing someone doing something so evil, and eventually she got so mad with Joseph, she tried to kill him, tried to get him killed, because he so rejected her. But underneath it all, there was that holy intent, and taken on a different level, as the Bev explains, that sometimes we see people acting in ways that truly seem so evil. And on the conscious level, they're in her best faith. But underneath it all, they really could be doing this because their spiritual energy wants them to do it for good as a means of bringing a Jew closer to God. Like the classical example given is someone is praying and some evil person comes up to him and starts talking to him and starts trying to distract him and starts trying to disturb his prayers. Well, that's not a very nice person. Yeah, but it could be that this person, who on the surface is not very pro-Jews and pro-serving God, but his spiritual energies are having him do this because through trying to disturb the Jews' davening, the only way the Jews are going to be able to continue davening is to daven harder, to daven more deeply, to daven with more intent. So ultimately, what this person accomplished was he made the Jew daven better. And that's really why he's doing it. And that's what's going on here with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Even on the surface... On the surface surface, she just wants to seduce him. And on the deeper level, she saw he's her destined mate. And deeper than that, she knows, her energies know, that through her tempting him, through her attempt at seducing him, he's going to have to really work on himself and become so holy and so connected to God to overwhelm all of her seduction. And this is really how she's fulfilling her purpose, of making a Jew even closer to God than ever before. Next verse, And God was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He remained in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that God was with him, and all that he would do, God would make successful in his hand. How did his master see that God was with him? So Rashi explains that the name of heaven was fluent in his tongue, meaning he would always refer to God in conversations. It's not that God's with him that God brought him success because the verse goes on to say God brought him success. He's always talking about God. He's always referring to God. God's with him and additionally God's with him for success. He truly should be in charge of everything. It'll only be good. Joseph had favor in his eyes and he attended him. He appointed him over his household and all that he had he placed in his custody. Meaning, we're actually saying the, the phrase is written a little abbreviated, but all that he had, we have to add the word that, was under Joseph's jurisdiction. And it happened that from the time he appointed him in his house and over all that he had, God blessed the Egyptian's house on Joseph's account. And God's blessing was in all that he had in the house and in the field. And we see this throughout the, the adventures, the life of Joseph, even though, of course, he suffered tremendously, but also he had this unusual blessing. Like everything he kept turned to gold, so to speak. In his father's house, he was the favorite child, the one that, was so, so, so close to his father, one destined to be the spiritual leader. Suddenly in the distance house, suddenly he goes into a totally different realm and now becomes an administrator of an estate and everything flourishes. Then he goes to the prison, and again, there he finds favor in everyone's eyes, and he becomes a prisoner in charge of one of the other prisoners. And then he goes on to become the prime minister of Egypt. 
and it reverses under his golden touch. So see, this is how God was dealing with him throughout all of his different stages and different things he had to go through to take Jacob's work a step further. Jacob was so connected to God, but in a sequestered environment, so to speak. And he had to deal with love, but still, he wasn't really within that world. He was just interfacing with it. Joseph really got He was really, he was alone. The only godly person in Egypt for 22 years. And he remained Joseph the same. He was taking that ability of Jacob, regardless down to the physical realm, and he brought happiness. So the verse continues. He left all that he had in Joseph's custody. He did not know anything that was with him except for the bread he ate. And the verse concludes that Joseph was handsome of form and handsome of appearance. What does mean he didn't know anything that was with him? He didn't have to bother with anything. He entrusted to Joseph. He knew Joseph's hands were very safe and very successful. Except the bread. What's in the bread? I mean, he didn't was full of faith. He's not trusting him with bread. The bread is a refined way of saying, so to speak, except for with his wife. And Joseph was very beautiful. So once Joseph now sets himself up from being this base slave to being the ruler over this estate, and he's this position of authority, he begins to act more, you know, life gets a little easier in the physical dimension. And God says, what's going on here? Your father is and you're living a better life? Uh, I'm going to have to send something in your direction. And that was immediately, as we see in the next verse, which is tomorrow's portion, that the wife of Potiphar notices, very significantly notices, the beauty of Joseph and walks. 